This week's podcast brought to you by Doodles and Company. The other night I was lying in bed with our 10-year-old son trying to get him to go to sleep, and I was looking at the uh, MLB scores in progress on my phone, and I said, whoa, this is amazing. George Springer has three home runs in his first three at-bats. And I said, uh, you know, George Springer went to Dampa's high school. And our 10-year-old said, after a pause in the dark, with Dampa? And I said, (laughs) well, no, that would make him 78 years old. To which our son said, well, that would be amazing. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, happy birthday. You've uh, celebrated a birthday since our last podcast. I have. Thank you. And uh, one of the reasons that I, I, well, not one of the reasons I know it was your birthday, but with your birthday coming up last week, I took a trip to the mall. And uh, it was the day the iPhone was released, by the way, because as I was in the mall, there was this long line of people that I was told had been there since 6 a.m. So um, I did not get you a new iPhone. Fortunately, I didn't have to wait in that line. But... I was in a store looking for some clothes for you for your birthday to get you some new hobo pants, as our daughter affectionately refers to your wardrobe. And um, I needed to know exactly which style you liked. So I asked the the woman working at the checkout counter if it was would be in their system. What the last what I got you the last time. So she checked and I said, when was that? And She said uh, it was September 20th. And um, I was there. September 20th, because your birthday is September 22nd. So the year before I had been there, September 20th, getting you your birthday present. And this year I was there, September 20th, getting you your birthday present. And while I was there, a guy came in and he said he had flown in from Texas. He was coming back for his 40th high school reunion. His luggage had been lost and he needed to get some clothes. And it made me feel better about you because he also was completely clueless about what what would look good, what size he probably was, anything like that. But he, but he wanted to look good for his 40th reunion. There's still somebody he was trying to impress right. at age 58, presumably. <laughs> right. Well, and I just said to him, because he was right by me talking to the sales girl as um, – as he's, you know, asking her, because she said, you know, do you want to wear this or do you want to wear this? Uh, you know, and he just said, I don't know, you tell me. And I just looked at him and started laughing. I said, it makes me so happy that my husband isn't the only clueless one, that, that I'm not the only one who buys the clothes to, to for my husband. So, um, and, so and anyway, I, he was completely out of his element, somehow found his way to that store, somehow at least knew that that was a, a decent place to buy, especially if he was getting hobo pants. And um, and, 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 uh, and we can yeah. reveal it was my 53rd birthday, but you were shopping for me at Forever 51. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly right. Um, but I was, I was kind of surprised with myself. I mean, it's the second year in a row where, and I'm going to blame it on the time of year that, that I'm going to blame it on the WNBA playoffs keeping me busy, but it was the second year in a row where I've gone the route of um, – just getting you clothes instead of doing something 
more no, thoughtful. You, it you also got me a, a vinyl LP, a new pressing of an old album, Let It Be by the Beatles. and uh, That part was, was thoughtful wonderful. because you had gone to the Paul McCartney concert with our oldest two daughters. He, had, he sang Let It Be while you were there. It was one of the highlights of the show. So that part of it was thoughtful. The new hobo pants, perhaps. Not the most thoughtful, especially since I'd done it, done the same thing exactly a year before. You were, you were not here on my actual birthday. You were somewhere else, L.A., I think you were this Yes, week. I was in L.A. And, for your um, birthday, yeah. As a result, and through no fault of your own, you are on West Coast time, presumably sleeping. Um, you were not the first, nor the second, nor among the first seven or eight people to wish me a happy birthday. Last year, wasn't it um, like... Like Honda Service that sent you the, um, well, the first I don't know, but happy this birthday year, wish? This year it was uh, my eye doctor. Bef- you got a, a text, happy birthday from auto the eye doctor before me? Yeah. Okay. Then then various other car washes and hotel rewards programs. <laughs> and then uh, various siblings. My dad, of course. Your dad. And then you. That West Coast time is, of course, the reason that that happened because I, I, I didn't wake up ridiculously early after a flight in there that night. When I used to be on Facebook, I, I deleted my Facebook account within the last year. But when I used to be on Facebook, that was the interesting thing was on your birthday, all these people would send birthday wishes, like people who you forget that you are even friends with on Facebook or you haven't communicated with in however long. But on your birthday, you'd get this you know, because when people who are on, when you're on Facebook, you get an alert when it's someone's birthday, and you you know absolutely. But only if you've listed your birthday. So I don't no, get right. those, and I mean, oh, I don't go on Facebook, but I have an account, but I don't have my birthday listed on it. Oh yeah, well, my birthday's list was was listed. I mean, I no longer have the account, but um, so so, well, I guess you don't experience it, but how you know, did it make you feel better about the eye doctor? And about the, it actually wasn't my eye doctor; it was the place where I got my glasses. Did it feel? Did it make you feel better about? Like, will you, will you go back to that place next time you need glasses for the sole reason that they sent you something on your birthday? Well, I mean, I replied. I, I replied several times to that account, and they didn't They didn't <laughs> answer me back. You I didn't say, like, when's your birthday? I so said, I can... you, you want to get a drink or something? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. No. Imagine that. But in, your, in the case of your birthday, without with or without Facebook, if you still subscribe to a print newspaper and you look in the celebrity birthdays, uh, born today column you still or perhaps you no longer do but you appeared on the october 6th list of birthdays i'm looking at it right now and uh alas it, it goes by age so the the most prominent birthday they list first by age is lebron james jr 14 <laughs> oh it's in ascending order lebron james jr shares my birthday or your birthday no neither you share LeBron James Jr.'s birthday. Gotcha. Well, something that weird that happened, and this was before your birthday, talking about you know who I share birthday with, you and I somehow have had a Freaky Friday sort of, what would that be described as? Incident. We have Freaky Friday'd. We've, we've Freaky Friday'd in that you know, we've talked a lot, especially recently, about your inferior luck and... In just in life and in certain situations and that I tend to get lucky with certain things. Well, when I left for LA, that all changed. And I, I don't know, um, you had a cold that you have since passed on to me. I don't know when you passed the cold on to me, if you also passed on your bad luck. But, you know, I had been talking about not having any flight delays. Well, I had a flight delay going out to Los Angeles. I was flying through Atlanta and my flight from Hartford 
to Atlanta was delayed. This is the first time this has been the reason for a delay. Our entire crew came through like 45 minutes late, got to the airport 45 minutes late because they had been caught in traffic. Right now in in Western Massachusetts, there's something that the Eastern States Exposition, the biggie, is going on. It's our basically our state fair um, for the states in the area. And they claimed that the reason our the flight crew got delayed was because they were caught in Big E traffic, which sounds absurd to me because if you have ways, you're going to avoid traffic. And I can't imagine... Sounds like BS. Total sounds like BS because I can't imagine where they would have been where they've been caught in this traffic. So anyway, so my flight's delayed from Hartford to Atlanta. So when I land in Atlanta, I had like 10 minutes to go a significant distance to make it to my next flight. So I had to sprint through the Atlanta airport, get to the other terminal. When, when I got to the bus to get to the other terminal, the or not the bus, but the tram, it just left. So instead of waiting for the next one, I had to run to the next gate. Anyway, very much living your life of, um, of bad luck. Anyway, I made the flight, got out to LA. And then on the return flight, coming back, I got stuck with a pretty cruddy seat on the plane, no leg room, the guy in front of me putting his seat back, just like couldn't sleep on the red eye. When the playoffs come and your travel schedule is contingent on who wins what game, yes. you're booking flights at the last minute, yes. and therefore you're getting bad seats on the airplane. Exactly. And then it was just an unpleasant flight. Anyway, this, these are all the things that normally happen to you. And I was relaying this to our, our – I was telling this story to our older two kids. And um, and our 13-year-old, as I was telling her, I said, get out. I had to run through the Atlanta airport. And she said, yeah, but you made your next flight. I said, good point. That's true. And then as I was telling her that um, you know I was stuck with this bad seat on, on the red-eye home, she said, yeah, but you were able to catch the direct red-eye and you got home earlier than you thought you were going to get home because the series ended earlier than you thought you were, it was going to end. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, that's true. She was kind of bringing me around, like, you got to look at this the right way. And back to, so that shows how I've gotten your bad luck. Well, how have you gotten my good luck? Well, well, I, was just, I was just going to ask that because this is a one-way Freaky right. Friday. I haven't gotten your good luck. No, no you certainly and, have. And, uh, and while gonna... we've frequently exchanged clothing i don't see how we've exchanged lives in this <laughs> well, way this is one you tiny have, you, example you, you, it's more where married couples begin to resemble each other where you've just, you've begun to resemble me but i, just, I in no way have begun to resemble no you. this this is where it, it, it actually like we i watched it happen in that after a volleyball match yesterday kids at activities i had pl- placed an, an order to grab some fruit food from a noodles and company in the area when i placed the order i ordered juice spaghetti and meatballs and the girl responded, I'm sorry, we're out of meatballs. And I started laughing and told our daughters who were in the car, I'm like, you know, dad's luck continues, they're out of meatballs. And then as I'm driving to go pick up the food, my phone rings, don't recognize the number, but I answer it. It's the girl from Noodles and Company saying, we found some meatballs. We do have meatballs. Your spaghetti will have meatballs. Now that right there is the perfect example of how your luck has changed because in every other instance... They would have been out of not only the meatballs, but also the spaghetti. But in this case, because you have taken my luck, they found meatballs. And and today you're still healthy. It's not like they found bad meatballs. And you ate the meatballs. It looked like a good meal. Did you also order dessert for the kids? I did. From Noodles and Company? I did. What did you order? Well, I purchased snickerdoodle cookies. Well, then shouldn't it be called? No, this was your punchline last night. Go ahead. 
Shouldn't it be called Doodles and Company? <laughs> the favorite part last night when I give the kids the snickerdoodles that I'd gotten for dessert, and you used that line. No, I didn't it? use that line. I, yes, I you said, did. I said, I said, shouldn't it be called? And I left it hanging out there. And our eight-year-old said, in a tone that suggested this is unbelievably lame for me to even say as an eight-year-old, Doodles and Company. <laughs> That was my favorite part of it, was the kids' reaction. like The mockery. The mockery, yes. Well, that's why I said it. And it's, it's, well, but the best part of it is them recognizing that. I can just see them if a teacher makes a lame joke. Hopefully, they know not to roll their eyes and do that. But it was, I, that was proud of our eight-year-old in that moment. By the way, I'm going back to your flight delay when you were me, and they were delayed by Big E traffic. I think that was, the real culprit was what, is known in the industry as the layover hangover. <laughs> yeah, I think that was probably a more fair explanation. And I don't know that that's how it's known in the industry, but it's how I think of it in the industry. In the industry. Well, the, as we were landing in Atlanta, and a bunch of people um, were trying to make their connection, and as we're landing, the flight attendant, she said, I apologize for the inconvenience, but life happens. <laughs> and I was just thinking... Since you, it was your fault, you were late at the airport. You may have wanted to leave off the "but life happens" part of the um, of the announcement. The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting, I asked the flight attendant. I said, "You know, how, are there a lot of people on this plane that are connecting to Los Angeles? Is there any chance that they will hold the next flight for us?" And it was a big plane, completely full plane. I was the only person on it who was connecting to LA, which I thought was. A little bit interesting. I thought at least one other person there would have also been flying to L.A., but no, I was the only one. That's odd. Are you sure that the flight attendant didn't say, instead of saying life happens, did she not actually say life moves pretty fast? If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. You are giving me some Ferris Bueller. I am giving you some Ferris Bueller. Yeah, no, she didn't say that. And and that was my, so I had two interactions with flight attendants. That was, that was the one um, on the way out. And then on the way back, when I got in my seat on this red-eye flight and I'm just like mushed in next to the window and midway through the flight, which I couldn't sleep on, so I was already a little bit irritable that I couldn't sleep. Well, what were you wearing in your queer eye for the red-eye ensemble? I was wearing my black pants, my new orange WNBA sweatshirt, and my matching orange sneakers. So I now, wasn't... Was, was, was Ryan Rucco wearing the same matching sweatshirt at LAX? Did you look like a... Uh... Future retired couple about well, to head to your Del Boca Vista condo. This was kind of funny because I only brought one sweatshirt for the trip. So when I landed in L.A., um, Ryan had landed just a few minutes before me from New York. We were texting each other and he said, you know, let's ride together um, to the hotel. And so he was waiting for me in baggage claim. And so when I turn the corner to see him in baggage claim, I walk over and he was wearing the orange sweatshirt and so was I. And I just said to him, I said, well, this just got a little weird. <laughs> and then, yes, when we both were going to be getting our respective red eyes back to the East Coast, we also had on our orange sweatshirts. If anyone follows Holly Rowe on Instagram, they saw her post something about that. But, but anyway. You, you know what they say about broadcast partners. Over time, they begin to resemble one another. <laughs> right? right. I'm shrinking. He's growing. We're wearing the same clothes. So... I get in. I get on my red eye. I'm in the. I'm in my small seat. No leg room. Not an emergency row. Nothing. And again, I'm a little bit eatable because I can't sleep. And then we're an hour or two into the flight, and the guy in front of me 
starts to decline, his, uh, recline, I'm sorry, starts to recline his seat. At he which reclined point, his seat. You declined his recline. I, yes. And in an emphatic way, I declined his recline. Because there was, as he reclined, it was just going into my kneecap. So I took my two forearms and just crushed the back of his seat to make it go back upright. I was not having any of that. But when I, when I first sat down, before we had taken off, I turned around and saw that this flight was very full. But in the emergency row, both middle seats on each side were open. So as the flight attendant was coming by, I got her attention and I said, are there any open emergency row seats? And she said to me, yes, but you have to pay extra for those. So I can't have you move. And I said, well, can I pay extra for them now? And she looked at me like with pity and said, no, and then kept walking away. And then, so that's why when the guy reclined you said, a couple hours in, I, I was I was not quite the happiest flyer. And then you said, could I get a Miller Lite? And she said, sure, that'll be $7 exact change, right? <laughs> yeah, right. We just won't take cash for you to move back to, right. a middle, to an open seat. Well, it's good to have you back. And you and I went for a jog this morning on the bike path. These are kind of found days, by the way, because if if the series had not been a sweep, I would be in L.A. today. I would have been in L.A. yesterday. So there's obviously nothing on my calendar. I'm home and it's like, wow, we have time that we didn't expect to have. So anyway, yes, today we were yeah, well, and, and I should just say, not to talk out of school, but on the jog you mentioned, and this isn't why I brought it up, that out your window in Los Angeles, you saw simultaneously a some kind of a illicit romantic dalliance in a hot tub from your hotel window and... Uh, an apparent uh, a narcotics deal gone awry along a freeway, also from your hotel window, while panning from right to left. Is that correct? In the span of five minutes, yes, I saw. That I, I love the way you've described both of those things, yeah. yes. Well, um, but that left you hoping for two more days in Los Angeles or or made you want to get off the road and curl into the fetal position? <laughs> Neither. Okay. But I am glad to be home. Yeah, sure. And uh, well, we're glad to have you home. And uh, so we we got on this found day, we got to go for a run on the bike path this morning. We did? Did you, Is that a question? No, I'm saying Oh, yeah, we, we did. did. I was going to say you've forgotten already. No, it was because we, we have this, this odd warm weather that we're experiencing here, Well, too, unfortunately, so. it's not odd. It's, it's just right. no, odd. I know. It's 78 degrees at 8 p.m. And unfortunate because of the circumstances of it. But yes, anyway, we're so anyway, on a we, run. We went on a... Uh, and and we had a mile cool down where we were just walking the last mile. Yes. Along down the bike path, wooded, uh, former train tracks, and up ahead in the distance, I saw not a shimmering light, but rather... I said to you, ooh, that's a bear. There was a very large... Very large, very large bear. Making its very slow and stately progress across the bike path from yeah. left to right if you're if you're scoring at home. And and where it was going there was an embankment that it had to go up as well but you once it got across you we kind of lost it well, no, amongst it, the it, trees. It stopped while crossing. Yeah, it stopped Turned for to a face while. us. Yes. We were how, how many yards away would you guess? 70? 70 yards away. Um and uh and it stopped, it looked at us, it stared us down. Stared us down. And then it went into the woods and you and I just looked at each other and you said, "Oh, I said that was a bear." And then you said, all right, so what do we do? <laughs> well, then another uh, Well, no, but we, okay. we, we debated, we all right, do we do. keep going or do we wait a little while? And, and you suggested we wait a while. While It was a good decision because well, after we waited a while, we then saw- A cub. A bear cub. Who also stopped and then 
crossed the path, confused. went back, yeah. crossed the path again in the opposite direction, then stopped in the middle of the path for a while. Yeah, he the bear cub was clearly confused. He he was separated from his mother and couldn't find her. And, and both of those uh, descriptions apply to me as well, right. because I I didn't know what to do. And I said and I said somewhat exasperated. I said, "This is the system that they have. This is the system." Right. And and you, you you said, "Yes, this is the system for." coexisting with nature. Right. But my problem with that system is if if we were only um, uni-existing with nature, if only one of us were to exist, it wouldn't be us. It would be the bear. Well, of course. So I picked up a large branch. Yeah, yeah that, that part I was a little confused by. Well, because first of all, let's just say- I needed, I needed to, get, was, I needed to give, get it, the bear something to swing at before I, before, <laughs> because I know from our running together that I can outrun you. Well, this is the whole thing. First of all, I was glad that you suggested we stop for a while because my inclination was to, uh, you know, I posted this on my on Instagram. I will also post it on um, the Ball and Chain Instagram, which is Ball and Chain um, podcast. Anyway, if we had continued walking, we may have gotten between the mama bear and her cub. And of course, everyone knows you do not want to be between a mama bear and her cub. Fortunately, you suggested let's wait a little while. By that point, the cub had gone off. But then, yeah. When however, you however, up, however, yeah. if I may, it would have been, I, I would have much more pitied the mama bear had she gotten between you and me. <laughs> you would have gone, you would have gone full mama bear on the mama bear. Oh, I would have gone mama bear on the mama bear. But this, this is the part of the, part of the reason that. While, while, while I, I climbed a tree like, like, uh, you know, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy right. climbing the drapes. When, when you picked up the branch and my, meanwhile it was one of those dead branches that like you could have broken in your hands and like seen the termites inside like it was not a powerful branch it was <laughs> it was a dead old branch anyway you pick up this this branch and i'm thinking if we confront the bear the only thing we're going to do is run away and all that would do is Make it, it more difficult for you. It would be something to throw, to to something to throw to at the bear while running away. Really? You're going yes. to, th- what, to antagonize the bear? Yes. Bear baiting. You don't do that. You, like, make noise hoping they run away. And, and you know I, I would have done. You know what I would have done? I would have gotten two other sticks, made a fire, lit the branch <laughs> like a torch, and waved it. I've seen enough, I've seen enough adventure movies <laughs> to know that that's what you do. <laughs> and we both know that your instinct, if confronted by the bear, would be to outrun me. That would be your instinct. Your instinct wouldn't be to, you know, like wave the the flaming stick while I retreated. I, I would, would I would, your, I would hold you at arm's length. Your instinct would be to run. I, no, 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 push no. me I, down. I would wave the flaming stick and I would I would hold you at arm's length and say, "Little lady, just stand back. You don't need to worry your pretty little head over this. I've got it under control." And then I would have lunged at the bear. So this is my question to you. Next time we we want to go for a run. Are you going to be comfortable going along that same path, or are you going to suggest we go to another one? No, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'll be totally fine. As um, long as you have your flaming stick. As long as I have my flaming stick, yes, and as long as I've, I've uh, I'm just surreptitiously sneaked a, uh, a, a hamburger patty into your, into your running shorts. And, and since, and since this is the only season of Survivor I watched, I'm picturing you as Richard Hatch with me. With the do rag on your head and uh, no shirt and the stick of fire <laughs> protecting me. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Okay. Shall we get to viewer mail? I think we should. Let's get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. 
This, uh, I think we've got a couple that came in last week that we didn't get to. This is from, uh, I mean, in addition to this week, this is from Rachel, who writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, or Steve and Rebecca, it's been a little while. Life keeps moving along faster than ever, as we paraphrased Ferris Bueller earlier. Uh, as I've been listening to the podcast episodes over the summer, uh, writing down a comment on something that's brought to mind. So here it goes. You talked about bruise at the zoo. A nice throwback. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand going to the zoo without kids. That being said, a dear friend of mine was married at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. The ceremony location overlooked the savanna where the elephants, giraffes, and zebras roam freely. The dinner was held over near the big cat area. As we ate, you could hear the lions roar, and there was a cheetah pacing back and forth about 30 feet from my table. I'm assuming she was deciding which one of us looked like a good meal. Very reminiscent of our run this morning. Mm -hmm. Definitely one of the more interesting weddings I've attended. And here's a picture of a cheetah, uh, very close, way too close to uh, to her table. That seems, uh, you know, wedding at the zoo, funeral at the mini golf course. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, in the past, Rachel adds, you've discussed the wardrobe decisions of our teenagers. And boy, has it gotten scary at times. As I see students in the halls of the middle school where I teach, last year it was overalls and mom jeans. This year... It is pegged jeans, vans, and oversized slash baggy guest T-shirts. We were talking about this just I the other day. I didn't know pe the pegging of jeans had come back, too. Rachel That's says, I am legitimately shocked that guest jeans are still in existence. I don't think they've been in continuous existence, have they? They've definitely come back, right? Yeah. There was I don't a 20-year period where there were no guest jeans. Right. And when I was, when I was buying you your hobo pants... Um, I did go into an Urban Outfitters because that's one of the places I looked for albums, um, although that's not where I got your album. And hanging right near where they had all of the brightly colored champion hooded sweatshirts, and I actually considered getting this for you, were denim overalls. But the fear, if I got them for you, is that you would actually wear them. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, especially in a store like that, everything is back. Well, I would definitely wear them, but I would wear them... Uh... Without a shirt. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Rebecca, who do you have winning the WMA championship? This was from about a week ago, so we can now narrow it down to, well, as we record we this, We can narrow it down three to three possibilities. teams yep. as we record this. Connecticut Sun have, have won, swept LA to get to the semifinals. And then as we record this tonight, Washington faces Las Vegas as that was forced to a game four in Vegas. I have no idea what's going to happen with that series. Washington was the favorite team throughout much of the season as the playoffs were approaching I was thinking Washington was my clear favorite to win the whole thing but now that I've watched the way the Connecticut Sun have been playing I think right I think they're the team that is peaking um, more than either other team at this moment it wouldn't surprise me at all if they won the WMA championship so uh, I don't know I can't wait I've mentioned this a lot in the last couple podcasts I love this time of year I love the WMA playoffs I'm eager to watch the game tonight, game four tonight. If there's a game five, I will actually be calling it in Washington, D.C. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be, unlike last year when the finals was a three-game sweep, I think whichever other team makes it in, I think this is going to be a five-game series. Lastly, writes Rachel, Rachel in Idaho, still a Utah and at heart. Is there, a way, is there a way for a loyal ball and chain listener to purchase a signed copy of Knights in White Castle to add my to my collection of Steve Russian books? Yes, there is. I will email you. A simple way to do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and she includes a, a picture of her midnight blue-looking uh, Mustang. Uh, we should say if anyone beautiful. wants to purchase a signed copy of Knights in White Castle, they should email us at ballandchainpod at gmail.com, and uh, you will make 
sure to make that happen. Absolutely. No problem. I'm happy to do it. Thank you. And uh, and we'll send out a, a, a ball and chain magnet for this uh, this gorgeous Mustang of yours. The first one she got is on her Harley, she says. So let's go to... Rachel I, I, has a Harley and a Mustang. That was from Rachel, right? Rachel in, in Idaho, yes. Awesome. Let's go to uh, Brian. Brian writes, uh, Rebecca and Steve, you both seem to be fascinated upon hearing a young viewer's ulti- untimely death in Dungeons and Dragons when trying to seduce a dragon. I was fascinated. Can he explain? As if you've never heard of anyone attempting to, to seduce a dragon before, writes Brian. Wasn't that the subplot of Shrek? And the header on this email is Donkey Finds True Love. <laughs> it's been a while since I saw Shrek. Was that the subplot? I believe so. It's also been a while since I've received an email that, that was headed Donkey Finds True Love. <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> Any more book tour dates? Uh, I have s- some in uh, in Connecticut here coming up, but uh, Brian says, especially northern New Jersey or New York City, I would love to do book signings. I've had the same question from people in New Hampshire, from people in Boston, from people in Portland, Oregon, from uh, uh, Los Angeles, Milwaukee. I would love to do them in all these places. Um, I just have to physically be present in these places to do it, and that's... That's but the we'll, challenge we'll make me. sure as book appearances, book signings are, are added to your schedule that we will make sure to let our Ball and Chain listeners know, both on the podcast and we can tweet it out as well. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. K. We haven't heard from Dr. K in a while. Greetings from Fort Wayne. Although I've not written for some time, I have, in that absence, been enjoying the podcast a great deal. First, I wanted to say that I thought the Pod 91 exchange about recyclable receptacles and invalid data was the funniest and finest of the whole podcast series. I was laughing even though I was midway through an early morning workout, and that's saying something. If there's ever a ball and chain clip show, it must be included. So, Denny, that's on you. Keep that in mind, yeah. In Pod 94, I also appreciated the discussion of events that occurred during Rebecca's absence, primarily for one small comment Rebecca made. At about the 29-minute mark, after Steve explains that he did not mean, quote, in your absence as a negative, Rebecca says, what else happened in my absence? <laughs> do you remember this? I do. At a pace and volume of perfect spousal resignation. It was my favorite moment of the podcast, perhaps because I recognized that tone after hearing it so often from my wife. But I was also appreciative of the conversation, considering whether the podcast was filled primarily with arguing, bantering, or conversation, because it speaks to what I enjoy so much about Ball and Chain. Through all of the basketball, travel, work, Uber confessions, puns, and viewer mail, the podcast is, at least for me, about being married. Through the frustrations, aggravations, inconveniences, and triumphs, it is easy to hear the commitment at the foundation of it all. Honestly, and I've thought this since podcast 12 or 13, I think that listening to some number of B&C podcasts should be a requirement for engaged couples. It certainly would enliven pre-Cana. But beyond that, if any soon-to-be bride or groom wondered what it's like to be married beyond the newlywed stage, one could hand over a pair or two pairs of earbuds and say, well, this is what it sounds like. (laughs) Looking forward to podcast to come, your occasional correspondent, Dr. K. Is this to uh, make people no longer want to be married or uh, just let them know what's in store? Or, or, Or people could be sentenced to listen to the podcast right, as a form of counseling. Right, exactly. Sort of like, scared like, straight. Like we've talked about virtus, virtus training. This could be the equivalent for people who are getting ready to get married. Whatever the opposite of, of virtue is. In virtus training. <laughs> in virtus training. In virtus prior to in vitro, just to head it off at the past. Actually, just because I don't know why what you just said made me think of this, but You this don't morning, know what I just said. <laughs> this morning... Um, the phrase under the weather came up and um, 
There's no opposite of that. There's no over well, no, the No, there weather. is. You, you, were, you were feeling under the weather the other yes. day before you had to fly. And I said, you will be f- nothing worse than feeling under the weather when you're over the weather. Right. Which I appreciated and I did think it was funny, although I don't think I responded with like a laughing emoji. But I, I love, but, your, I love your, your Lilith uh, from, from Frasier from Cheers uh, uh, laugh, which is, I did think that was funny. And I think I expressed that the other day. <laughs> But why there's no better audience than, but, than me. But again, this morning I said something about under the weather, and it just made me think. It did not make me think of your clever over the weather text to me, but it did make me think. Like, why isn't over the weather then a phrase? That's you know, the, you, there are a lot of those things, but it just made me think of that. Anyway, proceed. Well, I find that observation both humorous and interesting, <laughs> and I'm expressing my gratitude for it now. <laughs> Uh, Hannah writes, hi, Steve and Rebecca, with an exclamation mark. I like that. Hello from Connecticut College. I've got to say, other than the deadly mosquitoes, you've got a nice state here. I attended my first Connecticut Sun game on Thursday. The Sun were offering free tickets to all Con College students, score, and I was very impressed with the Sun and Mohegan Arena in general. I also sat like 10 rows behind Holly Rowe and was fangirling quite a bit. I also love that Carol Lawson is bringing Celtics players to come support the team. In fact, Taco Fall was there uh, at the game the other night, yes. right? Yeah, he was at uh, game game one, I believe, yeah. Right. Being a DC native myself, writes Hannah, I am very excited at the possibility for a DC versus CT finals. I'm not sure a building could hold the amount of hype that Natasha Cloud and Courtney Williams' dad would produce combined, but I would love to see it. Anyway, thanks for always making awesome podcasts. Hannah, parentheses, self-proclaimed palindrome consultant. Well, I'm thrilled that she came to the game and I thought it was a great idea by the Suns Vice President Amber Cox. You know, they it was a weeknight. Um, they had a short time to, to get these tickets sold and so they offered tickets to Con to College students. They sold $3 beers at the game, $2 hot dogs. Like it was a great way to get a younger vibe and a, and a younger fan into the arena. Whether Connecticut hosts game one and two or games three and four, uh, remains to be seen as of this moment. But um, I think, you know, at least one of those games, no matter which, would be on a Sunday. They will probably sell out. Washington's getting a great crowd. Las Vegas is getting a great crowd. These games are so much fun. And uh, and I encourage people to, to watch. And, you know, because I look at it a little differently. It's not just the basketball, but how it, how, you know, especially the semifinals of the WNBA playoffs, how it fits into the rest of my life. I was having this conversation with Ryan Rucco the other day. Because he said to me, he said, it seems like our travel has been just much easier in these semifinals. And I think this is Ryan's seventh year calling the WNBA. And I said, Ryan, that's because we've called two games in these semifinals in Connecticut. I said, the last six years, we've not been in an East Coast city. The last six years, Ryan and I, even if one of the WNBA teams was in the East, have always been out West. We've been in Seattle, LA, Phoenix, Minnesota was as far East as we would come. And so it was a lot easier because geographically, you know, we talked um, about the the guy who told a woman who was living in Connecticut that she was um, geographically, what was it, unattractive, geographically unattractive. Well, the semifinals this year were, were geographically attractive. And, and if it does end up being Connecticut and Washington, it'll be the first time in a really long time that we'll have a, we will have a finals that is geographically attractive, at least for those of us who call the East Coast our home base. This uh, email is titled Darth Maul and Sky Maul. I think that was the title of the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's the fine handiwork of Denny Gallagher. Dear Rebecca and Steve writes, Dr. Gary Siegel, seldom does a podcast air that doesn't have several threads that easily connect to my family's life and experiences, and that's why, along with so many other viewers, we cherish and appreciate your hard work. The bantering, perhaps better called bickering. Do you think Dr. Siegel says that after a woman delivers a baby? We cherish and appreciate your hard work. That's think, what that's I, what every husband should say to his wife. If after I were delivering, a, if I were giving birth, I would say that to Doctor Siegel after giving birth. <laughs> that's what you would say. I to would him. say that yes, <laughs> in gratitude. The bantering, perhaps better called bickering, writes Doctor Siegel back and forth regarding Steve's innocent use of the phrase "in your absence," referring to Rebecca's work trips that helped feed the family. Kept this doctor in stitches for several miles while I drove. Now, on a Friday afternoon when I have administrative work to do, I find myself compelled to write about two topics from the podcast that hit close to home. Firstly, my wife's name is Beth. And yes, Steve, it is pretty hard to spell Beth in more than one way. Uh, more importantly, and here's the real key. How are we at pod 95 before we know, know what Dr. Gary Siegel's wife's name is? It, it really is uh, it shocking. Is, it really is. Come on, Dr. Siegel. Are, are you chastising him? No, I'm, I'm chastising us. How, how no, come we've never we haven't asked? asked? That's true. How come we've never asked? We've, it hasn't come up in conversation. But, uh, I mean, I think, I think he, says, he says her name is Beth. I, I would assume she is uh, more often known as the long-suffering Beth. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, more importantly, and here's the real key link to the podcast, Beth likes the long-suffering Beth likes Chinese takeout, whereas I'm ambivalent about Chinese takeout, such that we banter back and forth for way longer than I ever care to banter about the order. When it's time for pickup, the order is always in a stapled bag, and typically the cashier recites the contents. I'm oblivious to the details of the order, of course, and simply pay for the food. Dr. Siegel, you are preaching to the choir here. That's, I don't want to hear the order re- recited back to me. I don't know what the order is. I have to take their word anyway until I get home, because what am I going to do? Remove a staple in front of them? Um, so... Thus, writes Dr. Siegel, like Steve and probably most of the husband viewers, I don't double-check the order despite having been given for the umpteenth time explicit instructions to do so. Luckily, the orders are almost always right. We've not missed any mac and cheese. Lastly, at least in Atlanta, Chick-fil-A has mac and cheese as a side item of, instead of waffle fries, and it is pretty good. All the best, Gary, with two <laughs> Just R's. Just not on Sunday, which is when I was flying through Atlanta. But why? Why not? Who cares? There's a staple. Why not just the, do you find that you're offending them if you open and check that the the No, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to open the contents of the bag, remove the the white cartons and then open each of the cartons to see if if what yeah, it says is in there? Yeah, I guess that's a little much. But in in in, in his defense, it's cuz he doesn't hasn't been listening to his wife, so he doesn't even know what's supposed to be in and there. I, and I have the very same alibi. But not when you're like going through a drive-through or something. Well, uh, be hey. that as it may, when I'm going through the drive-through, I assume twenty percent will be wrong, and, and I'm usually not disappointed. Well, now especially that you know that if twenty percent is wrong, it's going to be my twenty percent since we've switched our lock. Now you remember last week I got a, a viewer mail, uh, presumably from a serial killer, that simply said "farting through tartan," right? I do remember that. There's yes. no body of the email. Right. There was just the just that just, just a, the uh, subject. Some veiled warning, I think. Yes. From a Scotsman that he was coming. For us. Right. And it wasn't going to be pleasant. Well, here's another viewer mail this week. Farting through Tartan, part two. Dear Rebecca and Steve, with great delight, I heard you read the subject line of my last viewer mail submission. With great horror, I found I found out that the body of the email was empty. <laughs> yes, I'm the one who sent it. It behooves me to assure the global ball and chain audience that it was simply a technical error and not some dastardly social media prank inspired by antics from the lightly supervised 70s and 80s. Although I kind of wish it were now. In that previous email, writes writes uh, Bob, I wanted to ask Steve 
if I wanted to ask if Steve is going to watch or report on the Rugby World Cup. The subject line is referenced from Steve's Sports Illustrated article about the 2015 Rugby World Cup in which he eloquently captured the essence of Scottish rugby fans' fervor. Hope you are watching. Who are you rooting for? Is this Ireland's year? Your simplest of palindromes, Bob, in Huntersville, North Carolina. Um, I am very interested in the Rugby World Cup. I haven't gotten to see hardly any of it. Um, I understand that many of the most attractive matchups are on NBC Sports Gold, which is a pay thing that I don't, I'm not paying for. Although I did see uh, the other day uh, Tonga and somebody uh, England on uh, on regular NBC Sports Network and enjoyed about 15 minutes of that. And uh, but I'm not covering it this year. I covered it in 2015. Uh, got to see several matches at Twickenham, the the um, home of of English rugby and in many ways of world rugby. Hundred thousand people in a cauldron of of beer and energy and adrenaline and flames shooting up as they introduced the lineups and they played the killers i got soul but i'm not a soldier so it, it was goosebump uh, inducing stuff and uh, while i won't get that same feeling watching it on tv here i will be continue to watch and gosh if it was ireland's here that would be uh, that would be even better our daughters have been complaining a quite frequently in the last two weeks about rugby because they're doing it in gym and um as our 13 year old they're playing like flag rugby kind of like flag football and our 13 year old was frustrated because she said people are pulling the you know the flags even when you don't have the ball and they said you know it's okay to block and some of the boys instead of blocking are pushing people over and um she was not enjoying her first rugby experience well um, I, by the way, Dr. Siegel had also included a tweet from Holly Rowe, and it said, how have we not heard about this? And, and I did notice this when she tweeted this this week. This is at Sports Siren, Holly Rowe. I'm off to see the wizard. Best sideline invention ever for Oregon football. Take care of your business, men. Do you know what? She, I do, just because you know, I follow her on social media. It's essentially a, a porta potty on the sideline, right? But you like... It's almost a collapsible porta potty or something. Where do you press the button when you need to use it? The walls go up. You go inside, and you use this porta potty or urinal or whatever. And um, so I saw her the next day, and I said, "Did you get that story on air?" And um, she said, "No, I I did it a couple years ago with Oregon football." If if people just want very funny and good content, follow Holly on Instagram as well at sports siren, because she said to me, she's like, you know, football games, they're so busy, so much going on. She said so much of my content, I never get to use during the telecast. She said, so I'm just going to put it all on social media. So people still get to enjoy it. And the pop-up porta potty on the sidelines for uh for Oregon was one of those things. Well, maybe if you see Holly during the finals, you, 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 Get her to describe for two minutes the uh, the wizard for our our loyal viewers, and um, you know, just talking to your iPhone or something. I certainly will. And and one of the things that Ryan and I enjoy so much when we work with Holly is usually she's sitting somewhere courtside where we can see her. And during the game, as we're calling the game, we have a ton of like nonverbal communication because you know we know what story she has, what things she wants to talk about. And there'll be times in a game where Ryan and I will say something, we'll look at each other because we know Holly has a story. We'll look over at Holly; she'll give us a big giant thumbs up. Somebody will tell the producer, you know, she's got this story, so that they open her microphone. But it's this really funny dance between the three of us during the telecasts. But 
Holly is just such a delightful person to work with. And um, I enjoy the stuff she posts about football on social media as much as anything. Tanya from Troy, our resident energy efficiency advisor, writes, Restiva, I'd like to second the sentiment about ticket stubs uh, being classic mementos. As one of three kids growing up whose parents worked a day's night's weekends, we seldom went to anything requiring tickets. When we would go to Mets games, my dad would buy tickets when we got there, usually within, within the nosebleed section of Shea Stadium, unless it was a birthday treat, then perhaps we got the green section a wee bit closer. However, whenever I had my hands on the physical tickets, which wasn't often until I was a teenager, I'd save them and have them still at 35. Those from that time of my life do not take up much space, but my collection does include two great seat tickets for the New York Liberty versus the Minnesota Lynx, where Katie Smith, my favorite player from the former Columbus ABL team, was playing against the Rebecca Lobo era Liberty. I remember being torn on who to root for, my two favorite teams, some of my favorite players, my bedroom hosting both a Lynx poster and a Liberty poster. In the 99 matchup, I believe with near certainty, I was the only one wearing a Liberty jersey who cheered when the Lynx won on a shot at the buzzer, 58-56. The Liberty won the 2001 matchup I attended, evening out my internal rivalry. Though there were many members of the Lynx team that were reminiscent of the Columbus Quest that I adored, such as Brian Agler, nothing makes me happier than to have Katie Smith coaching the Liberty so I can be faithful to my home team. And she includes a couple of stubs here, one with uh, Becky Hammond dribbling and uh, another with um, Maddie, the Liberty uh, mascot, mascot, yes, uh, whose bobblehead is on my bookshelf in my office. Talking about that era... Liberty and WNBA yesterday when I was on Twitter I saw it was posted I don't remember who posted it but it said 16 years ago today Rebecca Lobo retired from the WNBA and I said oh yeah I did retire on September 23rd and the only reason I remember that is because I remember September 23rd is Bruce Springsteen's birthday and I remember when I retired thinking oh I'm retiring on Bruce Springsteen's birthday and I remember that day for among other reasons uh, for among other things, in the in your one bedroom townhouse, in a neighborhood with tight turns, there was a an ABC Nightline satellite truck parked at, somewhat ostentatiously at the curb to connect you to Nightline for some reason. Do you remember that? I, yeah, I didn't remember that it was setting that day, up in the basement. Yeah. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just to finish Tanya's thought, as an adult, she continues to save tickets, not for her own accord, but to hold up as proof to my future grown children when they try to attest at some point in the future that they never did anything when they were kids. I have movie tickets, sporting event tickets, theater shows, Disney and Ice, whatever we've gone to see, I have saved, perhaps to the point of overkill. The glory of working in downtown Albany is that I'm above the egg and down the street from the Times Union. I walk to the box office and get physical tickets. On top of restoring memories when seeing them, it saves the Ticketmaster surcharge costs and i can't she capitalizes d in downtown and of course the a in albany but when i'm looking at downtown albany this is me steve talking all i'm seeing is downton abbey right and i kind of now wish there were a a show on pbs and the bbc called downtown albany i would be much more apt to watch downtown albany than i would downton abbey having been to downtown albany the past two years to cover the the regionals I don't know that you would watch. <laughs> I would. Maybe well, an what, episode. What is, what is that? Is that a shot of downtown Albany? No, I'm just saying, granted, we were there on a weekend when it's kind of shut down a little bit. And in the but there time? was I'm just saying there was not a ton outside of the basketball games that seemed well, like it was going to on. to that point, Tanya says, P.S. Winter is coming. How is basement heating coming along? 
She has been urging us, remember, to get a, a basement heater, and I think she can One help us with that. One of the energy-efficient ones. She sent us all the information on exactly what we should purchase. I'm sure okay. you're getting me that for my birthday. Ed, our resident patent attorney in Maryland. Hi, Stephen Rebecca. See the article below, and his header is A Darker Side to White Castle Hijinks. And uh, maybe they were fighting over who would get the last slider. And he encloses a link to a uh, the American Bar Association's journal, and a story about two judges in Clark County, Indiana, uh, or a judge in Clark County, Indiana, pleading guilty to misdemeanor battery Monday for his role in a fracas, fracas at a White Castle parking lot that left him hospitalized for 16 days with a gunshot wound to his stomach. Uh, the key phrase here is uh, the judges went to White Castle after visiting several bars and restaurants. And then one shot the other in the well, tummy? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just reading from this this ABA journal. Adam, uh, the judge was sentenced to 365 days in jail. Uh, another judge... Uh, was also shot and wounded during the May 1st incident. He was not charged in the case. Also charged in the case was the alleged gunman and his friend. Both are facing felony and misdemeanor battery charges. But um, uh, but all of this happened after vis- after the judges visited several bars and restaurants, to my point, only went to White Castle after often after already having eaten someplace else. Right. And of course, many, many people came to White Castle uh, after visiting various bars. Our next viewer mail comes from Sherry with two R's and an I, and she writes, Greetings, Steve slash Rebecca. Driving back to Louisville today and catching up on podcasts. First, can't express how much I've enjoyed your podcast. I've logged quite a few miles since March as I've traveled from Louisville to Murray, Kentucky, and back as my father has gone through treatment for lung cancer. Sorry to hear that, Sherry. Your pods have offered an escape of sorts for the three-and-a-half-hour drive, a time for my thoughts to not be on work or cancer treatments. Today, one of the podcasts that I listened to, writes Sherry, was the interview with Christine Lilly. I too remember where I watched, who I watched with, and almost every aspect of that match, the Women's World Cup Final in 1999. And while I will never forget that PK converted by Brandy Chastain and the saves by Brianna Scurry during the PKs, the play I've never forgotten and will never forget was won by Christine Lilly. I admit, I had to look up the players involved from the Chinese side. A corner kick from Liu Ying in the 10th minute of the sudden death overtime. Ying's corner came across the face of the goal where teammate Fan Yunji outjumped Mia Hamm to head the ball past goalkeeper Brianna Scurry. But do you know who was also on the goal line, who somehow in all the chaos and tension instinctively did her job and covered the far side of the goal and said, not today, Fan Yunji? Yep, that's right, Christine Lilly, who headed the ball away from the goal that kept the match scoreless and set the stage for the ending that we can still see in our minds to this day. If Christine Lilly doesn't stop that ball, there's a good chance we don't get to PKs and we don't win the cup. Not to take away from Brandy's or any other player's contribution to that match. It truly is a team sport, and the ladies on the 99 team knew their roles, and each played their role to the best of their ability. Christine, to my knowledge, has never said, hey, what about me? My play was important too. But her teammates did often, and that is why this group was and is so special. They each did their job to the best of their ability. That's a great summation. She doesn't of, think that Christine said, take that Fan Noon G? Fan Noon G. I, I, I think she said that. I think she said that internally. Um, but isn't that a great uh, summation of, of what it means to be uh, Certainly on is, a team? Yeah. Anyway, Sherry would like to qualify, is not sure she would qualify to be a resident of anything, but should you ever need a generic resident sports fan in Kentucky, I would be honored. You've got it. I hope and pray, right, Sherry, that I do not have too many typos or grammatical errors in this email that have you both shaking your head in dismay. I don't know. I think people think that uh, we're quietly correcting their grammar, but why? I never. Because you have a shirt that says I'm silently correcting your grammar. That's true. You but think I'm not, that's why? There's no grammar to correct here anyway. <laughs> And if you have any spare swag, Sherry writes, and, and I, I, again, I've got to send out swag to people who've asked for the last few weeks. You I will send that out. certainly do. If you have any spare swag, she says, I will gladly take you with me to the Caribbean, as she puts it phonetically, or the Caribbean. 
as she also adds phonetically, at the end of October. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sherry. Uh, we will get you swag, and uh, we appreciate you listening. This comes from Jeff, Rebecca, and Steve. Jeff is our, uh, our sometime Hollywood correspondent, as you may recall. Though he lives in Connecticut. He, he lives in, in Windsor. Oh, Windsor, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Lives in Windsor, but he's our Hollywood. Well, he, this he, is one I'm saying. He's more still of a Hollywood insider than even Sam Farmer, our, our actual Hollywood uh, I, I, I've This is under protest for me. I think he should be our resident uh, Summers person. But anyway, go. Well, he's in Windsor. Or Windsor. I'm sorry. Windsor. But anyway, I've okay. said Enfield and Summers. I mean Windsor. He's our Hollywood guy. Listen. Listen to this Hollywood right, insider I'm, I'm stuff. You, you, you listen to this and then you decide. All right. Rebecca and Steve, while catching my ball and chain episodes, I was amused to hear you two argue about whether or not I could be your Hollywood correspondent when I actually live in Windsor. Ironically, I was listening while on the drive in from LAX. Don't forget, I'm also the one who nearly missed the birth of a child because I was shooting an iced tea commercial. Oh, right. Here's another Hollywood story. Years ago, while shooting who knows what, we discovered that Boston Legal was shooting on the soundstage next to ours. He has your interest, My Rebecca? favorite show, yeah. Both the director and I were big fans, as are, as are my director and I. The door to their stage had a big closed set sign on it. Despite that, the director brazenly went in to catch a glimpse. A while later, he returned to report that not only had he not been caught, he had watched them filming one of the iconic balcony scenes. No. Yes. They end every episode with Denny Crane, Alan Shore on the balcony. He got to watch. Uh, Bill Shatner and James Spader Spader drinking scotch on the balcony. Tell me more. I will. The director made several more trips to watch and even brought people with him. He'd become a sort of tour guide. Sadly, I never had the chance to go myself, and he did eventually get caught. (laughs) Love the podcast as always. The best part is that you still make each other laugh. Keep at it. You are sometimes Hollywood correspondent. Jeff in Windsor. Right, Jeff, well, you, you're the Hollywood our, correspondent. He can be you've our just, Hollywood. You've just After brought that us story, are you news me? of of uh, of your favorite show of all time? I uh, I need to learn more. If if he if he has more to tell, I, I would like to hear it. Our last one comes in from Kurt, my dearest Restiva. I just finished Steve's latest book, Knights in White Castle, and I have a problem. It's not a new problem either. The same thing happened when I read Stingray Afternoons. I cannot recall my own youth without the memories being filtered through Steve the narrator's voice. Playing King of the Hill on the mound of snow pushed to the edge of the third grade playground by a snowplow is remembered as though it happened to Steve in Bloomington and not me in Billings, Montana. Losing a cleat in the mud of our district playoff soccer game and going to state is now another story I hear in my head in Steve's voice. Hiding outside my resident advisor's window on the ledge with a fire extinguisher we filled with water and air at the gas station just off campus could have happened at Marquette or Whittier College. The number of fire extinguishers, man. No, man. People love their fire fire extinguishers. Anyway, note, surprise attack successful, RA soaked. Additional note, was only on the third floor. And then Kurt continues, I love your books, but I'm hoping the Rebecca Lobo story, a husband's biography, (laughs) won't add to the voices in my head. What a nice note from Kurt. Very nice, Kurt. Thank you for reading. And then he sent a PS. After listening to Ball and Chain episode 93, one of the next podcasts I listened to was the Stuff You Should Know podcast on icebergs. In an off-the-topic remark, they mentioned pulling ice in, putting ice in your Chardonnay. Odd to hear such a random thing pairing in such close audio proximity. My seat made en route to Paris. Yeah. Asked for ice in her Chardonnay. And uh, I did not when smushed into my... Seat on the way home from L.A. And I, I'm just hearing uh, Alanis Morissette in my head head right now. It's it's like rain on your wedding day. It's like ice in your Chardonnay. <laughs> I think that's exactly the lyric. Anyway, on that lovely note from Kurt, 
Thank you, Kurt. Tom, Dick, Hari. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.